Welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast that celebrates the contributions of Black people all around the world to the fashion industry. It's Black History, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Taniqua Russ. Today, I'm coming to you with a special one. So I know here on the podcast, we're used to talking about fashion in terms of design, apparel, and um, what we know as the ready-to-wear fashion industry. But today... We are exploring fashion as an art form. I got a chance to do a virtual studio visit with creative artist Bo McCall. Bo McCall is a critically acclaimed artist who is most widely known for his use of buttons in wearable and visual art. He debuted his work in the 1980s at the Black Fashion Museum Fashion Show for Harlem Week. And of course, we know what the Black Fashion Museum is because we talked about this on the show. And he has been unstoppable ever since. He's been featured in many of exhibitions, as well as in Women's Wear Daily, the Fashion Bible, and the New York Times. I got to hear firsthand from Mr. McCall all of the stories of his most incredible and notable pieces, as well as how he got his start in the industry and what he hopes to do next. We get into detail about some of his previous and currently exhibited work, as well as the poignant messages behind the things that he does. Now, before we get too deep, I want to let you all know that you want to follow our Instagram page if you've not already. So make sure you're following us at Black Fashion History Podcast. That's where you'll be able to see all of the beautiful work that Bo McCall is describing. Now, let's get into it. I'm going to start by saying I'm originally from Philadelphia. Um, My journey started with a jar of buttons. Not this actual jar, but it started with a jar of buttons. And I'm sure your mother or your grandmother or somebody in your family has a jar of buttons in the house somewhere. Yes, they do. <laughs> so prior to getting to to that jar, you know, I've done many things, you know, uh, weaving, macrame, uh, paper mache, all kind of crappy things. That I learned in day camp, I learned in high school, um, I learned from uh, books. Um, I was just very, very crafty coming up as a kid. Like every other week or every other month, it was something I wanted to do. And I was like, Mom, I want to do so-and-so. And you, she would go out and get the materials and it lasts a month, two, three months or what have you. And then I'll be on to something else. Mom, can you get me whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and then me and my aunts, we used to make, um, we used to make jewelry out of, of chicken bones and spare ribs and all this kind of stuff and, and beans or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when I got tired of that, I just went to the next phase. It was just like, I just had this creative bug in me that it just had to be released. So long story short, um, in the house, we had a jar of buttons um, in the basement where I used to iron my clothes. And it seemed like every time I would iron my clothes, the jar of buttons seemed like we was having some kind of dialogue with each other. So, you know, I opened the jar, took, took the buttons out, I played with them, put them back. This went on for a couple of months. I had no idea what I was going to do uh, um, with the buttons. And um, 
I found this sweater. I said, well, let me, let me see if I could embellish the sweater. So I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to put buttons on this sweater. I didn't have a technique. I just started sewing buttons to the sweater. Um, maybe four or five months, because it wasn't like I was dedicated to it. It was just something I came up with. So I got through it, and I went out partying and clubbing. I got a lot of raves and, oh, who did the sweater? Blah, 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 blah. So I came back home, and I did a sweater vest. Same reaction. Then maybe a year or so later, I moved to New York to sort of um, explore what I could do create creatively and, you know, just see how I can expand. So by this time, I'm really interested in the button. So I came here and um, I got introduced to the Black Fashion Museum. By this time, I think I had maybe about six denim jackets. So they were having an audition one day. So I took the jackets to the audition and um, they liked my work. And um, from there, I started doing fashion shows with them. So during the course of a year, we would we would do stuff at, at um, Columbia. We went to Boston. We would go to D.C. But then when the summer would hit and, and um, Harlem Week would come, that would be like the the big the big um, the big bash for the year. Right. So we would do, we would do 135th Street. We would do Grant's Tomb, and then we would do the State Building. And the State Building it was huge because it was a, like thousands of people was out there to um, view this show. And you know, I met a lot of like like minded designers, um, a lot of creative people that I was able to con- connect with because I had just got here. I didn't know anybody. I had been here for like a year because when I saw when I initially saw the um the fashion show I was with a friend of mine and I said to him I said you know I'm gonna be in this next year he just laughed it off like oh yeah whatever and you know the next year I was a part of it and um Lois Alexander she was very wise woman um she took all of us under her wing she was somebody else who had a lot of um uh history far as unknown um, black contributions to the fashion world. So before I actually um, start doing exhibitions myself, I will go to a lot of um, galleries and museums and stuff and see other people's work. And sometimes the artists will be amongst the crowd and I wouldn't know who the person was. So when I became officially became an artist and started doing um, exhibitions, I started adorning myself with buttons. So when people saw my work, they could associate me with the work. Right. So from there, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So they start nicknaming me. They start calling me the button man, stir buttons, count buttons, anything that had to do with a button. You know, they gave me these names. So this piece um, are large plastic buttons on chicken wire. And it morphs into other things. Like I can bend it and mold it into a d- different type of um, neck piece. And then this picture a couple of weeks ago, I did a, uh, a photo shoot, and I molded it in, into a headpiece. 
So, you know, I can make bracelets. It's a lot of things that it could just morph right into. These are bracelets, but the feature on these bracelets, all the buttons are insects. So depending on what I'm working on, whatever the project is, the buttons dictate what type of buttons I'm going to use. It's dragonflies, fireflies, scarabs, ladybugs, regular flies, bees, anything I can find within the realm of an insect. Um, I adorn this. These are strands of mother of pearl buttons. And what I like about mother of pearl buttons, they have their own distinctive sound, which all buttons have their own distinctive sound. And I like the way they reflect light. So I have plastic buttons on today. So they have their own sound. This is the same version in plastic buttons, but the buttons, these buttons are mainly from overcoats and suit jackets. So they all have like a tortoise, tortoise effect. And they look better when it's, when they're piled on like six, seven, eight, 10, 12, because I've worn up to maybe 20 or 30 of them at the same time. These are faces that I was inspired to do by actual people that I see on the subway. Oh, wow. The pink one, the wings are from a pair of Jeremy Scott sneakers. And I'm big on upcycling. I'm big on um, trying to give my pieces their final destination. So this was the wings from the sneakers. And then I macrameed raffia for the the neckline. And then the hair is like braided raffia. And then I try to pick out interesting buttons to create the faces. And the same thing with the black one is just the raffia is just all over the place. I love that one. Somebody asked me to do a fashion show right before COVID. I hadn't done a fashion show since um, the Black Fashion Museum, maybe like 10, 15 years. And... I needed something to really pull the outfits together. So I came up with the idea to use eye patches. So the first two patches are, um, the buttons are musical instruments. Mm-hmm. When, you know, fashion meets music. The third one is, uh, addresses COVID with the red cross. Um, these is a series of these. These are the cuffs from Jean Jackets. And in 90% of my work, I work on denim. Because the weight of the buttons go from maybe five pounds to maybe 500 pounds, depending on what the piece is, what the project is. So these, I cut the remains from the Jean Jacket and make button cuffs. So the color combination sort of um, dictates what the end product is going to be. So as you see, I have the white and gold, and then I did the orange. And in the orange, I had stack buttons, which I stacked about 10 or 15 buttons on top of each other to make spikes. These sneakers are inspired by Michael Jackson's moonwalk. These are um, run-in seat Adidas, but Adidas came out with a special pair, a limited edition pair, which they have a built-in stock within the sneaker. And of course, you know they wore their sneakers without laces. Right. But with the stock that they built into the sneaker, the um, the sneaker doesn't fall off your foot. So these buttons are ball buttons in gray 
black and silver. Sort of like um, giving you the impression of like planets or whatever. Space. Uh, this pair inspired by Black Panther. So all the bu- buttons here are African-inspired buttons. So I have buttons um, from the Maasai tribe. I have all kind of um, mass buttons. Then I have um, little figure figurine, figure um, African heads, and also uh, raffia fringes. But the buttons on here are very unique. And I tell people the reason why I haven't gotten bored is because it's a zillion, bazillion buttons out in the atmosphere somewhere. So each project, I choose a, a different um, order or type of button to um, speak to what I'm trying to say. And then also, um, in my recent works, by me hand sewing the buttons, um, my signature is, I'm a Pisces. So in all my pieces, you can find two fish, but you have to look for within the collage of buttons. So it's interesting because I don't use the same two fish all the time. Sometimes the fish, well, most of the time, it's the fish is in, into the color scheme. Mm-hmm. So the the, um, the mystery of it is, is that you have to find it. This is the very first piece, the very first jacket I did. This is the one that um, you did and everybody loved that you were talking about earlier? <laughs> no, that was a sweater. Oh, yes, you're right. That was a sweater. <laughs> that was a sweater. This is a jacket. And I was here, I think I did this in 86, because I wanted to see Luther Vandross and Anita Baker at the guard. And um, this took me six months to do. And again, I still hadn't had the technique. So I was a week shy of finishing the piece. Mm-hmm. And I found my technique. And it's the same technique that I use today. So I took it apart and I did it all over again in a month and a half. And I was totally satisfied with the end result. So this is the, the technique that I use today. What I'm, what I'm really trying to do when I sew the buttons is I'm trying to, um, um, I'm trying to make the buttons be like a sheet of fabric. This is what the inside looks like. Oh, you sewed them on. Yeah, they're all hand sewn, honey. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you said that earlier, but then you were telling me until I was looking at the stitching. Wow. Yes. Glue is a bad word. Glue is a bad (laughs) word. No glue at all. It's all hand sewn. This is my other project, my triple t-shirt project. So this is three t-shirts combined to make one shirt that you can wear six different ways. Each shirt is one of a kind, and each shirt has its own narrative. So I have like um, socially conscious, sports, uh, music, superheroes. So what made you decide, okay, I want to pursue wearable art because based on your story when you made the initial sweater and everybody loved it I'm thinking um somebody else might say okay well then that I should go into designing and I'm gonna have like a clothing line or whatever but you took the wearable art route so what made you go that way because I'm I'm more of an artist than I am a clothing designer because most of my clothing stuff it's upcycled Mm -hmm. and um so I incorporate my craft into 
clothing and fashion. Because growing up, like when I would go out and go shopping, I would see stuff that I couldn't afford. I would go home and be inspired by what I saw and try to make something that was similar to what I had just viewed. But I, I never, um, I never wanted to stay in one box. Like even now, like right now, I'm working on a lot of wearable stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the museums are closed. The galleries are closed. Some into my wearable art mode. And then when I get tired of that, I just go back to visual art. Some bouncing back and forth, forth, and then they're married to one another. Art and music is married. To, I mean, art and fashion. They're married to each other. So I like to jump both sides of the fence. I love fashion. I love style. I consider myself um, a stylish person, but I don't know if I would solely want to be a fashion designer. It's it's all creative. But I, I have the tendency to, you know, come up with these ideas and just push the idea rather than come up with a collection. Right. And with, I, you know, fashion design, you have to be more practical because people are going to be wearing this out somewhere or whatever. But on the art side, you get to explore those ideas a little more over the practicality of the piece. Yes, that's my point exactly. And then um, the, on the art side, I can sh- sort of just be more free. I have more freedom to do what I want to do. And and the fashion side, it's like they're almost dictating to you what you should be doing. And 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 especially with American fashion, because American fashion is about sales. It's about dollars and cents. The Europeans, uh, London, uh, Paris, Milan, it's more about creativity because their governments support that. We don't do that in America. It's about how many units you can sell of, of, of an item. Because I, I come up with ideas. Like a, a designer, it's like you come up with ideas, but an idea has to con- connect to a collection, three, 15 pieces or what have you. That's why I say, I'm, uh, to me, I'm more of an artist. And an artist encompasses a lots of things. Where desi- When you say designer, people immediately think that you're painting or you're drawing. I don't do either one. My paintbrush is with a needle and thread and a button. And it's something as um, simple and as common as a button. People really take the button for granted. And I tell people that I'm connecting the world one button at a time. That's my motto. And I noticed that a lot of your pieces that you showed have um, like a message connected to it, uh, sometimes a political message tied to it. You know, why is it important for you to weave like a message into your pieces? When I was working with the um, Black Fashion Museum, um, I got introduced to a whole pool of creative people, mostly design. We would sit there and just critique and review each other's work. When it got to me, they used to just say, oh, he just sewn buttons. Anybody could do that. He just sews buttons. Anybody could do that. And I sort of um, was annoyed behind that because anybody can do it, but does anybody have the patience to do it? So I can remember um, when we would have breaks between shows and, you know, we'd go out and eat or whatever. I stay, I used to stay back and go through people's racks and look through their clothes. But I would look at the inside of their clothes. And a lot of them were very talented. But a lot of them had, as far as I was concerned, they didn't have any talent because it's presentation and it's um, how you construct the garment because looking at it from the outside is one thing and the inside should look just as well as the outside because even when I go shopping now, I'm always inspecting what the inside of a garment looks like and how it's put together. 
And a lot of them, they didn't have that. So it gave me um, a boost of confidence to say that I'm the best at what I do. Then about a year from there, Women's Wear Daily did an article on me. So I'm like, well, if I'm just sewing buttons, Women's Wear Daily, they just acknowledging me. They just gave me a page and a half. And, and you guys are like seasoned um, designers. So I, just, I let all that stuff go out the window. I'm an artist and I feel like I'm offering buttons and I'm doing the best thing that I can do with buttons and I'm still pushing the envelope. There's still a, a, a bazillion things that I can do with the buttons that I haven't approached yet. And then um, as far as um, like speaking through the work, when I initially came back on the scene as a visual artist, um, I'll show you the piece when we get to it. I, I wanted to make a statement. I wanted to say something in the work. I just didn't want to... Um, just push out work and it was nothing, no meaning behind the work. I'm a black person. It's a lot of things going on um, with me being a black male in America. And I felt like I need to address some of these issues that's going on rather than um, like a lot of my stuff is fun, it's bubbly, you know, puts a smile on your face, but at the same time, you know, I, I have to move forward and ad- address certain issues. And then I enjoy what I do. I'm not doing it for accolades. I'm not doing it for the money. I do it solely because I enjoy what I do. I'm at the point now is that I have to leave a legacy behind. And, you know, the world may not know who I am, but I'm leaving my seeds behind because it's going to be another person like you 20, 50 years from now investigating and looking for other artists. They have been unsung and haven't been heard of. So what is your process of creating a piece? Do you have an idea and then you go and find buttons? Do you just, are you just always collecting buttons and then, you know, something forms of what you have? How does that work for you? First of all, I'm always collecting buttons. That's folks first and foremost. Um, My mom still collects buttons. If I go home now, she'll have a big bag or um, a can of buttons for me. Um, and then when I get, get the buttons, I separate my buttons, plastic, uh, shell, bone, metal, wood, leather. I break them down like that. And then from there, I break them down into color. Now, when I'm working on a project with the visual art aspect of it, um, when I find out what the theme is for the project, then I brainstorm to figure out what I'm doing for the exhibition. So when I figure out what it is that I'm doing, then that's when I select buttons to co- coincide with the theme. It's not complicated. It's just sometimes I just have to sit a while to figure out what I want to say. Mm-hmm. So it might take me a couple of days. It might take a week or two. But even while I'm thinking about it, I'm starting to collect buttons. So then when I get the actual idea, like, for instance, with Until We're Free, we hadn't got to Black Lives Matter. But but we live Black Lives Matter every day as Black folks. Right. You know, it's just now it's just it's highlighted. You know, we, we got social media. We got the Internet. We got all these things where the world is watching. When I created um, that piece, the internet was still new. I just know I wanted 
to address racism and I wanted to address uh, a serious subject. Because when I, when I finally select what it is of what I'm going to do, I can't do anything that I can't talk about. I can't do anything that I can't have a conversation with. I can't do anything that I can't explain. Because what I've learned is, is when you do the exhibition and the people see your work, they begin to question you. They want to know every detail. They want to know every nook and cranny. They want to know why do you select certain buttons. They want to know why you use this type of thread. So I have to prepare myself for that because we, we did For Color Girls in Houston and somebody did a, a write-up on us and they wrote about the tub and it was a white woman and she said the, the, that the play was is called For Color Girls and she wanted to know why I had a white woman laying in the tub. If you look closely, the fabric that I chose to adorn her body is um, floral uh, fabrics. It's all flowers or whatever. And I used the floral to represent the vulnerability and the delicacy of a woman. So then I had to break that down to her. Like, you're not going to call me on my own beats. You know, so I'm very conscious of um, what I'm putting out in the world. So what is next for you? You know, with the pandemic in motion and um, prior to the pandemic, you know, I was reaching out for to certain institutions to um, get them to view my work or get them to um, acquire some of my work for their permanent collection. I'm not a name brand artist. I'm not an A-list artist. I'm not a B-list artist. Like, again, I'm under the radar. And a lot of times in the art world, what I'm, I've learned is sometimes it's not its not really about the art. It's mm-hmm. about who whose collection that you're in who's interested in what you're doing. It's like a whole lot of politics, politics, so to speak. I just do what I do. So now right. with the pandemic going on and this um, Black Lives Matter thing going on, the doors are cracked. The doors are opening. So people now are willing to see my work. They're willing to give me feedback. Um, you know, I have a couple institutions that have already acquired some work. And some other folks that are interested in acquiring the work. Now, um, my thing with that is, is that now everybody wants to put their two cents in and say, oh, well, you know, I supported the Black Lives Matter. So this is a good time to get in there and negotiate your projects. And so far, it's, you know, it's working out. I'm trying to um, solidify my my legacy because, again, it's it's for the future. It's not for for right now. I don't don't care about. Like, again, 50 years from now, somebody going to discover me and say, oh, wow. You know, I didn't know. I thought it was only Patrick Kelly. You know, <laughs> and a couple of years ago, we did a, actually did a, um, a exhibition called The Button Show. I was kind of um, a little leery about doing it because I was like, oh, we're all using the same um, material. People are just going to see buttons. But as the work starts coming in was 15 artists and it was 15 distinctive techniques as far as a button and as far as me being an artist trying to solidify myself in, in a space in the art world. Because, you know, I've been around all the high-end people. You know, you know, it was just, whatever's meant for me, I'm going to get it. And I don't, um, I don't compare myself to others. And I'm even viewing people that I admire I try not to linger on other people's work because then you become influenced by it. Mm-hmm.
So, you know, I'm, I'm in a good space right now. And that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Black Fashion History. If you love what you heard, and I know that you did, make sure to follow us on all podcasting platforms and on social media at Black Fashion History Podcast. You can also find us on our website at www.blackfashionhistory.com. But of course, above all else, tune again next week for another Black Fashion History installment. Bye-bye.